Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Freeze, and it's showtime again on this beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. Folks, you've been tuning in to us every week, every weekend, every Saturday morning throughout the last five years right here because you know that we are the place for truth and authenticity. And uh, you tune in, I hope, for an airway expert opining on the issues of the day. You get a perspective here that you just don't get anywhere else. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about things today. Some of the issues of the day we're going to talk about is the control oligarchs and the billionaire class and their deals and how they're earning our lives. But what's going on in politics? Uh, we're looking at the different polling that came out recently. Uh, those are interesting things to talk about. We're also going to talk about the Senate race and what the Manchin decision does and how it hurts uh how it hurts the Democrats. And of course, we're going to be talking about a whole lot more. So we're going to jump right into it here, folks. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's going on right now in the Senate. Now, I think what's interesting is, you know, the, 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 uh, the Democrats were hanging on for dear life. They had a whole lot of seats that they're, that they're trying to defend. Okay. Now there's some independents that were Democrats now turned independent, like Arizona's a toss up. That's one that the Republicans can pick up. Um, Another one they could pick up is in Montana. I think that John Tester barely squeaked out a win the last time. They know that's that's a that's a race that's up in the air. The Ohio race with Sherrod Brown. I mean, Ohio is a strong Republican state, and Sherrod Brown is on borrowed time out there, so they know that's a possibility. That's three seats that they can lose right there. And uh, you know, and then of course you you go down and and then you uh you see that uh, West Virginia now will be a Republican look at because of what's going on with Joe Manchin. So they could pick up four seats and they could easily be sitting at 53 seats and 53 seats with the House. And, uh, and of course, Donald Trump winning the election, I think it is a good place for them to be in fixing this country. This is what's got the D's very concerned. I mean, right now, Kirsten Cinema out there in, in Arizona, she's she's a uh, you know, she's one of those. I mean, she's. Not really one of those communist Democrats, but she doesn't, I guess, doesn't like the Republicans. I don't know what her problem is, but she's about ready to lose her seat because she won't have the backing of the party, I don't think. And then you've got, I mean, but the Democrats are, are, are really, they're defending a lot of seats and the Republicans aren't. I mean, states like Florida is going to remain likely Republican. Indiana is not going anywhere. Mississippi, Missouri, they're just staying in there. There's no Republican seat right now that's a toss-up that's not safe or likely, and that's just the way it is. Uh, the Democrat seats that are in there right now are mostly safe and likely. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in New Mexico. I'm not, I'm not that uh, convinced of what's going on there, but I mean, you're, you're, you know, because it could go either way. And of course, I'm not here. I look here in Pennsylvania, and I think that Pennsylvania's won. I mean. Uh, McCormick is running here in PA and he's got a lot of money he can throw out a race. So it's going to be interesting to see how Bob Casey, who's, who's really a lackluster candidate anyway, Bob Casey is the, he's the quintessential caricature of low energy. Okay. And listen to Bob Casey. He really, he just sounds like he's reading library books in a library when he talks. Uh, he, he doesn't, and, and you know, he's just a real boring guy. Um, and he's been in there a long time, and I think that the, the state could very well like McCormick. McCormick's going to have a lot of money and a lot of support there. 
So it's very likely that could happen. But again, there's no, and, and Utah, what's interesting is Willard Romney's not even running. So Willard Romney's up in Utah and he's already stated he's not going to run because he knows that Utah won't elect them. So Willard Romney's a little upset because Trump is back in the hunt and they're not happy about that. But whatever, they're going to hang on to those seats is my point. They're going to hang on to those seats. And with, with Joe Manchin retiring, I think there's a lot to be said. They're going to pick up that seat. And uh, I don't think he wanted the campaign. I think they told him, you know, you can join the Republican Party or resign, but we're going to run somebody hard against you. And he knew it. And he didn't want to resign. So he didn't want to join the Republican Party. So he said, just quit. I don't need this. So he's out and, and he's he's not going to be there. But they're going to win in Montana, too. I think Montana is another state that, you know, the Republicans should have won the last time around. And Tester really is a, he is a Democrat. Uh, it's going to be interesting because the whole campaign is going to be save the country, vote Republican. And in Montana, they're very patriotic Republicans out there, and they're very good Republicans, strong Republican state. Don Tester's another one on borrowed time. Not sure what's going to happen in Arizona, but I think they're going to win Montana. I think they're going to win Ohio. They got a, they got a strong shot at Sherrod Brown's seat. Ohio's voter registration is almost 50% Republican right now. And uh, then when you throw the D's in there, they're about 44%, and the rest are independent. I, I just don't see the Republicans voting for for Sherrod Brown. I think they're going to run somebody against him. Again, they're watching, and, and Republicans are watching what's going on in these elections, and they're going to throw these. I think they're going to hang, the Republicans hang on to the House, keep the House, and take the Senate with Donald Trump. They're going to be, they're going to be in total control of this country, and they're going to get all of his appointments through. Okay, you're going to, you know, you know, you're going to get all of his appointments through. Uh, you'll have Tim Scott out, out, out there in Florida. You'll have uh, him as that uh, likely could be the new majority leader in the Senate. I don't think McConnell's going to hang in there. I, I think McConnell's another one. I don't know what's going on with him. But, I mean, there's a lot of seats up. There's a lot of seats up this election cycle. But nothing's going on in Kentucky, but I'm not sure McConnell's going to survive it anyway. But, you know, whatever the case is, you know, Maine's going to be an independent, you know, and I think you're going to see Vermont uh, you go communist. But in all likelihood, it's just going to be uh, very much uh, in Wisconsin. You know, it's really interesting. Wisconsin could could flip. Is it? You know, there's a lot of unknowns in here, like with 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 Wisconsin and so forth. There's, there's a possibility in these seats, but it's very likely, like I said, that they're going to hang on to the, and because the Republicans will pick up the Senate. I just think that's encouraging, and I, I think that's uh, that's driving the D's nuts. You know, what's really compelling on this, too, is when you look at, you know, what makes, I mean, what what is the real crux of what makes a Democrat? What makes these Democrats today? What, what if you had to say, what is the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans? It's no longer Democrat versus Republican. It's America first versus everyone else first. It's America first or it's, you know, the communists first or the or the Chinese first, or globalism first. I mean, America first weighs all public policy, all all the decisions in government are based upon what is best for the Americans, what is best for, for the people of this country. And uh, the Democrats have abandoned that. The Democrats are, are out there now. I mean, they, they, they're with the support of the media. They're lying to the public. They're lying to, to people all the time. And, you know, you they're just mis- they're just misstating their positions or they or they're hiding their real positions. The Democrats, you know, they, they can never win. You know, it, 
They could never win an election based on their ideas. The Democrats could never pull that off. What's really compelling is when you look at, you know, what makes these Democrats, these activists, these are people that never, ever accomplished anything. I mean, you, know, you look at these people and you say, okay, well, what, what success have they had in business? Or, or what kind of a business did they even have and what success did they have in it? You know, when you look at, you know, you look at the yuppie wine testing, or the winery, the winery uh, business, I should say, or some sort of a winery that, that, uh, that uh, uh, Gavin Newsom headed up or some sort of a leak, cheek, bougie type outfit out there in, in California where he made his money and tried to make his cash in there. And I think you're really, really compelling on that. They said, you look at you look, who are these these? And they just don't seem to, they don't have the ability to play and understand that they don't have the ability to convey their points because their points are not popular anywhere. Their points aren't popular with anybody. And I think that's a real compelling point on this. So, well, you got to realize that a lot of these, in a lot of these races, and we have to realize that this is the reality, is that the Democrats truly are not interested in achievement. They're not interested in the perspective of achievement or initiative. They're not. The Democrats support a culture that does not reward achievement, does not reward success. Instead, they support a culture that rewards participation, okay, or trying or, or showing up. You know, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, you, you just look at the principles. You look at the, 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 uh, the, the, the character of, of those that grew up years ago compared to the character, the shallowness of character today. And you look at the people today and how shallow they are and what, what matters to people politically. You know, it's, it's really interesting. You, you, you look, you look at the, uh, you look at Republicans and these and today and, and you realize, I mean, what makes a republic in America first? Well, it's objective sense. It's common sense. It's what's best for this country. What's best for the middle class? What's best for those that are striving for, to pursue their happiness? What's best? What's the best policy for that? You know, look at their energy policies, the Democrats' energy policies, and how they how they're just up all over the place on this. Okay, first they want more windmills and more solar farms. Okay, the Democrats want more. Uh, you know, they want less fossil fuel, less effective, less efficient energies and more ineffective, inefficient energies. They want to support through government handouts the 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 buildup of ineffective, inefficient energy. They want to do that. And I just think it's it's interesting. They they want to support that. So what they do is they are basically all the time looking to see how in the world they can they can actually support the the ineffective, inefficient energies, and they want to know how they can how they can expand their ineffective inefficient lifestyles i mean they they want to punish americans for achieving they want to punish americans for accomplishing they want to punish people by by saying okay well we're gonna we're gonna push in a gas an, an electric car now you know i've heard this said electric cars everyone knows the, the drawbacks on electric cars okay obviously these batteries are made with components that are mined strip mine from planet earth we know that we also know that batteries don't last very long we also know that getting rid of batteries is extremely hazardous and toxic but notwithstanding any of that these cars don't have any kind of range to drive so why are the democrats pushing this is it because they believe that the planet is dying do they believe that the planet is suffering and that man is killing the planet do they really believe that or are they through, are they pursuing this fallacy because 
the electric cars gives them more control of America. So think about this. One thing that makes American America unique is Americans can travel anywhere. You just get in your car and drive. You just go. Get in your car and just travel. You get in your car and you can drive 500 miles, you drive 1,000 miles. You can drive 10, 12 hours in a day. You pull over for gas when you need to and you literally are fueling up within a few minutes and you're back on your way. Uh, but electric cars don't give you that flexibility. They just don't. So is that a characteristic of America that they want to change? Is they want to keep people more regional? Is that what they're doing? Why is that important? Why do they have these smart meters on homes? Is it because they want to measure and control the electrical output? You know, why do they want electric cars? Because they can, again, manage and control electrical output, i.e. control your fueling. Now, of course, they can do that anyway through gas because you need electricity to pump all that. But the point is, I think with the electric cars is that it's an industry that they want to promote because they just want to to create this this environment, this this living environment. It's going to raise the cost of living and lower the standard of living for every American. You know, you look at the Democrat policies, whether it's whether it's horrible energy policies. You know, their goal is to raise the cost of gasoline. They want to raise the cost of gasoline. That's their goal. Well, why is that? Because their goal is to promote electric cars. All right, so what do you mean by that? Well, the cost of driving a gas car is, say, 30 cents a gallon, uh, 30 cents a mile. 30 cents a mile, the cost of driving electric cars, 55 cents a mile. This is what we understand. There's a there's a cost factor. Now, I, I'm not exactly sure if that's exactly accurate, the 30, 55, but it's, it's close. I mean, it's in the range. Uh, driving a gas car is about half as much as it is to drive an electric car per mile. So the only way around that is to raise the cost of gas. So they know that. So they increase the cost of gas. They can get people to pay more per mile, and that's going to drive down their, their discretionary income and, and make the electric car more feasible for them. So their energy policy is to drive up the cost of gasoline. Is that something that they promoted when they ran and, and they run for these races in the Senate? I mean, is Sherrod Brown in Ohio going to be talking about how he wants to raise the cost of gasoline to promote electric cars? Of course not. Of course not. But you don't see the media undressing that policy either. You don't see the breakdown, the objective breakdown of these policies. And this is the, the this is the the journalism is dead routine that Sean Hannity talked about, I guess, uh, you know, 15 years ago when he said journalism is dead. Because what it is, is you look back and you realize, and you look now and you look realize, Who's breaking down this, this, the reasoning and the policies? Who's breaking down Democrat policies or Republican policies? You know, I was talking to somebody today. He just switched parties. He's now a Republican. And he was just chatting with me a little bit. He says, one thing that got him was what's going on in the Ukraine. It just drives him crazy. What's going on in the Ukraine? He doesn't understand it. You know, and also what's going on in Israel and how right now Biden is, is trying to get a ceasefire in Israel. And I, I says, I said, you know, I says, it's not what, Israel needs to do now. It's not it's not the retaliation or the or the measuring of retaliation that Israel needs to do. It's not the restraint that they may or may not have to have. What it's all about right now today is what's taking place today is because of the way things were run for the last three years. You see the policies and the lack of foreign policy, the foreign policy leadership in this country has brought about the stronger Hamas, a stronger Hezbollah, stronger Iran. Everything Biden did and Obama did was to strengthen Iran and to make them a stronger country. Everything they did and everything Biden did when he came into office in 
and killing the gas industry and the oil production industry in this country and taking out the the Keystone pipeline which would have which would have piped down uh transported all that all that fuel all those fuels that are coming out of the ground in Canada transported them right down to this country through pipelines I mean he killed those pipelines all right and then he instead he instead of and then he supported the Nordstrom pipeline out there to bring the bring to bring the fuels in from Russia to Germany. He supported them. So he gives them the pipeline, kills our pipeline. But whatever the case is, he promoted energy transportation from Russia to Europe by the Nord Stream. And then he, of course, killed the pipeline from that brought energy from and uh, from, from Canada into here. So what was the reason for that? Well, again, no, no rational reason for it other than to drive up energy costs. See, any fifth grader knows if you want to drive up energy costs or if you want to drive down energy costs you've got to do one of two things if you want to drive up energy costs with the demand today then any fifth grader understands you need to cut supply or make it more expensive to produce supply if you can do that that's going to raise the cost of supply ah so fifth graders understand that so doesn't joe biden and and the other and the others and his tree-hugging minion crew and his, his global cretins and uh, it, but if you want to drive down energy, like Donald Trump says, well, I just uh, will increase more production. We'll have we'll, we'll increase the supply, which will drive down the cost. See what strengthens Iran, what strengthens Russia, what strengthens these countries in the Middle East, these enemies of Israel. What strengthens them all is when you drive up the cost of a barrel of crude in this country. They drove up the cost of a barrel of crude in this country to over hundred dollars a barrel. Now, when Trump was in office, so we were all clear, it was about $40 a barrel. Now it's over $100 a barrel. So what does that do? Well, it drives up the cost of energy, which also drives up the profit that Iran makes and the, the income and profit that Russia makes. So now Russia has the money they need to fund their war, and Iran has the money they need to fund their war. See, any fifth grader knows if you are in forward policy purposes and grounds, you need to cut into their money you know it's it's interesting oh biden talked about we're gonna put all these we're gonna put all these sanctions on russia sanctions ah sanctions on russia so he planned or he did plan on and tried to put punishing sanctions on russia folks there was no such thing as punishing anything on russia when they gave russia more money per barrel of oil that comes out of russia or or gas that comes out when he raised the global market in, in the trading cost of those commodities when he raised that what he did was he gave them more money it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a fifth grader to 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 understand everyone can understand this i mean if you're a country producing oil and gas that is your main export that drives up your national your national economy and your money okay well when they when that when that commodity raises up to a hundred hundred dollars a unit hundred hundred five dollars a barrel versus $40 back when it was retrupted. You're making a whole lot more money per barrel. The, the hundreds of millions of barrels that, that are coming out of there every week, every year, I mean, this is the money they're making. And this is why they can fund these wars. And so then he goes on to say, well, we got to help the Ukraine. Well, one way to help the Ukraine is to cut, is to drive up energy production, to push down you know, the, the, the commodity, the trading price on the, on the, and the global exchange so that Russia doesn't get the money that they want anymore. Iran doesn't get the money that they want anymore. Again, this is the kind. Of, look, I, 
I'm expressing to our listeners today here in South Beat, out the Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley, I'm expressing to our listeners today the sensibility, the objective truth that they're not getting anywhere else on the news. You turn on CNN or MSNBC, you're not going to get this a breakdown. You're just not going to get it. You won't have any any fake expert come on and, and tell you how to drive up energy costs or the benefit of driving up energy costs is in, in this country. How is driving up energy costs going to help the middle class? How is driving up energy costs going to help you and your neighbors? How is driving up energy costs going to help pricing, the inflation? How is driving up energy costs going to hurt Russia or Iran? How is driving up the energy costs going to hurt Russia and make it so they can't fund their war or hurt Iran and make it so they can't fund their war? But we can't ask, we can't answer that question, those questions I've just answered, I am asked. We got to answer those questions this way. Driving up energy costs are going to hurt the pursuit of happiness for every middle class American in this country, every American in this country, whether middle class, rich or whatever, or whatever. Everyone has their standard of living in this and their pursuit of happiness threshold, and we're all pursuing it the best way we know how. But we can know driving up energy costs is going to hurt them. It's going to hurt Americans. We also know driving up energy costs is going to help Russia and help Iran. We know that. So why do we do it? Why do these Democrats do it? And Americans, when they ask these questions, they go, ah, it doesn't make sense to me. It comes back to the same the same attitude, okay? It's like, well, why is it critical? Okay, why... Why is it critical? I mean, what happened in 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 in, uh, in in Israel? What's going on in the Middle East? Well, our policies strengthened Hamas, strengthened Hezbollah. So those policies made a stronger Iran, which made a stronger terrorist organizations surrounding Israel. And now they're attacking Israel. Did anybody think it was going to be anything different? I mean, truly, did anybody think that? I mean, did anybody in the in the Biden administration think for one minute that that this was going to be anything different than what they're seeing today? Folks, we need a change in leadership on the global level. We need a change in leadership on the national level here. We need to bring back jobs to this country and bring costs back under control. Bring up energy productions. Get this economy humming again. Get people back with the discretionary money that they're used to having and get them to start spending the money they want to spend. You know, when you're looking right now, Joe Manchin is dropping out of this race, but the Republicans are going to likely pick up the Senate. All they need, I mean, they're, they're sitting at 49 seats right now. If they win West Virginia, that puts them right there at 50, okay? And if you're going through there and you understand that Montana is really not a toss-up, it really isn't, okay? Uh, I don't believe Ohio, well, Ohio may be because Sherrod Brown's been there a zillion years, but I don't think Montana is. I, I, I agree. I agree that West Virginia's going to flip, okay? And, you know, you, you go through there and you, you realize this. So, you know, the Republicans are going to pick up seats, they're going to pick up seats, and this is what it comes back to. I mean, you got to understand that. The Republicans are likely going to pick up West Virginia, okay? And they could pick up Arizona, but they're going to pick up West Virginia. They're going to pick up, I think, Montana. That's two. They could pick up Ohio. That's three. So, you know, if they can get three seats, that's 52. If they can get another fourth seat, then they can pick up. They end up with, you know, if they, for instance, if they, if they can uh, maybe uh, maybe win in, uh, maybe win in Arizona. Okay, that might be the they might be the, the fourth, the fifth one that they can get because Arizona would give them one, and then uh, Montana would give them two, and then Ohio three, and West Virginia four. That puts them at fifty three seats. So they know this. 
And uh, that's going to obviously <clears throat> help Trump with his judicial appointments and everything else. And it's going to help them a lot in getting through this and, and getting uh, the support he needs for his, you know, for his appointments and so forth. But again, I think what Americans are starting to see right now, and this is why I think Americans are just getting flustered. I mean, you're looking right now at and 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 voters trusting Trump over over Biden. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, he, you actually had fifty one percent of our registered voters in a CNN poll said there's no way they're voting for Biden. Fifty one percent said, "Oh, it ain't happening." Now Trump was sitting at, I believe, uh, something about forty seven or forty eight percent. But the bottom line is, when a third party is in this race, it's going to be Trump winning by fifty percent or forty nine percent. And that's I mean, right now. Trump leads Biden on the economy, 50% to 34% on infrastructure. Uh, he's beating uh, Biden by 42 to 39. On housing, he's even beating Biden there by 1%, or 39 to 38. <laughs> I cry, he's beating uh, Biden 45 to 50 to 33. Immigration, 50 to 33. Uh, foreign policy, 46 to 34. Guns, 42 to... I don't understand how Trump is... Uh, 36%. I, I guess when guns are an issue, I guess it's what it comes down to. They're not as much of an issue. Labor and in relations with labor, Trump is over Biden by that. Russia war, the Israeli <clears throat> war there. <clears throat> Trump is actually looking pretty good in all of that. Uh, voter weighing their three top issues, two of which Trump pulled over Biden with the economy, immigration, and democracy. <laughs> I think the Democrats are saying, oh, we got to preserve democracy. I think the Republican message needs to be, we need to preserve our republic, because that is, after all, what we have. But what's interesting is, they you can see Biden losing by a bunch of points here uh, when Robert F. Kennedy's in the race, because Robert F. Kennedy ends up at about 11%, so Trump gets about 40%, or Biden ends up in the mid-30s. If, the, if they're only given two candidates, Trump beats them by four points. Trump is just up there. I think what's interesting too, it, it, you got the uh, the CNN poll show, fifty one percent there said there's no chance of voting for a Biden at all, <clears throat> and only forty five percent said they were a Biden supporter. You know, these are things that don't bode well right now for the for the Democrats. So everyone talks a little bit about, and I think it's interesting there. Everyone talks about how, uh, you know, how, um, uh, you know, the the uh, the the voters right now are just that they don't. They're not sure, if you will. They're not. Well, they're going to wake up when the issues come in. That's what's going to happen. They're going to wake up when the issues come in. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on at Disney and why is Disney producing movies people don't want to watch? You know, it's an amazing thing, okay? The Marvels just, you know, crash-dived on uh, two days ago with a $6.5 million Thursday, which is about $20 million less than normally a good, a good production will produce on a Thursday. They're expecting this movie to likely bring in uh, less than uh, $200, $200 uh, million. Uh, it costs them almost $280 million to make. And I think what's really compelling on this is that they, they understand this is an issue. And I think it's just really, really compelling. They see this as an issue and they know. See, the problem with the Marvel brand, it, it spent the last four years leaking the goodwill of its fan base by injecting its post endgame features and streaming series with with the identity politics and you know character no longer matters we talked a little bit about today and how character doesn't matter to so many people today young people today 
you know, my mom just celebrated one of her, her birthday just recently. And I was sharing with her, you know, she raised eight of us. I mean, we were, we were, uh, we had, there were eight kids in my house. My mom raised eight of us by herself. I mean, uh, a Friday night or a night out with the family was a bowl of popcorn watching Barnaby Jones on TV. I mean, that was a night for us. I mean, you know, literally, uh, you know, it was just, it was board games and card games and three TV channels and, you know, outside playing uh, with sticks and, you know, whatever else. Uh, just, you know, with your imagination running through the yard, hanging out in the woods or whatever, just doing what you did in the fields or whatever. <clears throat> but today it's, it's different. I mean, and my mom raised us. She could have, she could have walked away. She could have just said, I'm not doing this. You know, she could have just left us all to, 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 you know, defend ourselves in orphanages or foster care or whatever, but she didn't, she stuck it out because she has the character to do it. And today you've got people having children today and they're, they, they, they're happy to put them off into a daycare. They're happy to just, you know, not be saddled down with the rugrats, if you will. It's just an amazing thing. And you see people today, there's no commitment, not just to their kids, but to to the principles of, of, of family. There just isn't any of that. And so, you know, character no longer matters. And it, you know, it's all about, you know, the the person, that the character in the, in the movie. So, you know, that they're creating these characters and they're making them, they're basically creating characters that are, you know, based about, you know, whatever they're, they're promoting characteristics that people were born with, or they're not promoting characteristics that are, that are, uh, that are familiar to a lot of Americans. So they're promoting things that, that aren't good and, and whatever else in people, you know, and it's just this, this identity politics It's you know, it's, it's not only a violation of human nature, it's just truly awful storytelling. If for no other reason, it's it's not just it's predictable, but it's it's just awful storytelling. You know, it's like the movie The Blob, the original 1958 movie The Blob. Okay, <clears throat> but I mean, when you look at the remake of it, the, the remake of it, uh, it, it wasn't very good. I mean, it wasn't very good at all. The 1958 movie was good. It was great, great horror movie, and it was uh, it was it was a it was a good story. I mean, it just it was a good little horror story on it. I mean, but that's, they don't make movies like that. Okay. And, you know, they just don't, they don't make them. I mean, you know, how do you tell a great story or how do you keep your audience on its toes? Instead of, instead of telegraphing who's good and evil based on characteristics they're born with. Okay. You're telegraphing nothing and you're keeping them guessing. Okay. And, and so, you know, I mean, this is what it comes down to. So here are some interesting numbers. Again, you know, who's interested in the Marvels? Well, nobody's interested in Marvels because, you know, parents aren't interested because they know Disney's now, a, a you know, a, 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 an, an industry, if you will, that is not looking out for, for, for families. They don't promote families. And, and obviously they don't promote the principles of family. And, uh, but the Disney is, is, is in the habit right now of promoting aspects of, of, of our society that, that have no business being in children's movies or young people's movies. You know, kids and parents combined only, uh, basically, they only had about 9% of the Thursday night audience and the, the, the Marvel stuff. It just, it just isn't, it's not connecting. It's not connecting at all with people. It's going to bomb and it's, late, it's likely to just crash and burn the movie. It's uh, Disney's wish will basically let them all down because Disney's going to go out of business 
uh, and, and you know it's certainly going to be hurting. I mean, you you can't keep losing money. They they they're you're in the business for producing movies that people want to watch, and the problem you're up against is they're not producing movies that people want to watch. That's the problem. It's just not. And I think you know it, it's it's they're seeing it. They're I mean, Disney ruined the Star Wars. They ruined they totally ruined the Star Wars uh, series. Uh, it ruined the Indiana Jones series. They took it over. They ruined it. Now they're ruining Marvels. They're ruining the. It, 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 they just get something and they and they they ruin it. I mean, it's just not. Uh, there's no charisma with these characters. They can, uh, you know, it, it's just it. They're not. It's not anything. I think that that is inspiring to young people. But it just isn't. And honestly, it doesn't. You know, it's funny. We go to the movies because we don't just want to be entertained, but we want to. It, it, we want to like, we want to be able to at least relate to something. And so when you go to a movie, you want to relate. For instance, you want to, you know, the good guy uh, is is the winner. The good guys win. The bad guys lose. Uh, good triumphs over evil. You see justice in the movies. Uh, you know, you, the movies of of the of the of or if you look at the movies that were successful at anything, look at Mission Impossible. Why is Mission Impossible a box office smash? Because the lies of good and evil are very clear in the movie. And people can relate to it. People can relate to, you know, to the type of heroes they create. Okay? Uh, if you're creating a hero in the movie that is not relatable to the people watching the movie, then they can't even relate to the movie. And so, I mean, here's a good idea. When you create a movie that you want to sell a lot of tickets, you want you want the largest portion of, the, of your demographics to relate to the movie as something they can relate to. Create something they want to come see. Disney's losing its losing its 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 stocks right now. They're 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 hemorrhaging profit, not just in their movies. This one here is going to lose about 70, 80 million dollars, maybe a hundred million. Uh, every every you know, all these other movies that that they produced lost a lot of money. Um, the characters that they put into these and the the write ups of the of these movies are not they're not they're they're trying to build up characters and and heroes in in the movies that people can't relate to but they're trying to create this image that people will be forced to relate to i don't know what they're thinking is i'll be candid with you i've said it over and over i don't think they're trying to produce anything that sells or try to promulgate a message okay it's like I, I was having a conversation about cnn and msnbc and the other networks i'm like i said they're not trying to sell profit he goes what are you kidding me i'll never forget this guy and i were chatting a very intelligent individual college educated and he says, of course, these news agencies, Clay, are trying to produce news stories that sell so they can sell advertising. They want to make a profit. I said, that's not true. They're not trying to make a profit. He goes, well, how can you say that? That's ludicrous. I said, because if they were trying to make a profit, they would promote themselves by reporting the news. Oh, he says, you just like that Fox News because it's that conservative slant. I said, there you go. I said, one thing you had to understand, and this is what the liberals don't get the news is neither liberal nor conservative the news is simply the news and when you report the news as the news you're not promoting an idealistic thing you're not promoting idealism you're not promoting uh you're not promoting a, an anti-american thing or a pro-american thing you're simply promoting the news as i stated if you were to break down O'Biden's energy policy as a news agency should, the Americans would clearly see that, oh, Biden's energy policy was very anti-American, 
very anti-middle class, very anti-helping families get ahead and pursue their happiness. If you looked at his, his open border policy, you would understand that all he's looking to do is, is bring people. He has no program to help the middle class. How is opening the border and bringing over tens of millions of, of, of individuals who are going to likely be on the state dole, who are going to be on welfare, who are coming over to tax our welfare system? How is that good for this country? I'm just curious. I, I'm asking Democrats today to ask me this, but I should say to answer that for me. Help me understand. How how does open borders help this country? I want to know that. If maybe I'm missing it, but I don't think I am. You see, when you have open borders, you have increased crime. You have increased illegal activity, whether it's smuggling of drugs or whatever else they're smuggling. And you have you have obviously increased crime because you have people coming over the border that are infiltrating your country and your neighborhoods whose, whose occupation in the country that they left was that of crime, criminal activity. So they're basically, these countries are exporting their criminals <clears throat> to our country right now. This is what they're doing. So <clears throat> these countries right now are exporting their crime. They're exporting their criminals. They're exporting the people that produce the hardships in their country. This country, uh, these countries are dispatching themselves of the riffraff. They're emptying their jails or whatever they're doing. They're literally sending people over here that are, are, are a detriment to their culture, their country, and basically they're going to be a tax on ours. And how does bringing a criminal over here helping our economy? How is bringing a, a poor mother of three over here going to help this economy? How is bringing, you know, the, 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 the immigration policies of any country are, are basically there to protect the best interests of the country. So you create a policy. You say, for instance, if you're going to come here, you need to obviously tell us why you want to move. And then, of course, you want to show how you're going to be a, a good contribution to our society and our and our in our in our in the fabric of this country you know if a person wants to go to a university or a college they have to submit to that university or college what makes them think they're going to be a good fit for that university or college so the people that create the culture that that promotes this 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 drafting if you will in the universities and colleges all across this country that bring on the, the student body or determine what the makeup is of the student body. They're wanting to bring people into the student body that can contribute to what they want that culture to be. Folks, this is a reality. And these are the same people that want open borders in this country because they want to destroy the cultures and the traditions of this country. They want to these people that want restrictions for admissions in the colleges and universities, they want the control over who's admitted and who isn't, okay, are the same people that want no admission restrictions in this country. So what's really crazy, and, and again, as, a, as, an, as an objective observer, what's really insane to me is how you have the people that promote the, 
the open border and the open admissions into this country are the ones that want to restrict the admissions and in and, and, and the entry into their universities and colleges for whatever. Obviously, you know, if you say I'm a strong Republican, I'm a pro-American Republican, I'm I'm America first, I'm pro-business, there won't be very many universities and colleges that say that's a good that's gonna be a good fit for our culture here. No, no, no. We don't want him here or her here. We don't want that person. You know, when you, when you know, but when you, when you want to admit, when you want to go to an admission for one of these colleges, universities, you talk about, well, you talk about all the social programs that you volunteer to, okay, and, you know, the volunteering of your time and, and the, and the music and musical instruments that you play and the, you know, the, the creative writing that you want to pursue and the art classes that you want to take. And the, in other words, they want open, they want open canvases for, they want blank slates for minds that come into these colleges. They don't want anybody coming to these colleges that have a mind of their own. They want blank slates. So this is what I think they want. So they can put out these people that they can create these, 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 basically these, these idiots. I mean, these useful idiots, as Lenin used to call these liberals useful idiots. They can create them. They can put them out in the droves of these colleges. They bring these open brains and the open slates in there for brains and they immediately have an influence on them. No opinions. I like that. That's the guy we want here. It's like when they're picking a jury. You know, it's funny. They they want people that have no opinion. Anyway, you know. It, but but again, but with our country and the borders of this country, what does it cost to bring these people in? What does it cost to bring people into this country that do not have a job and have they're going to be instant welfare takers? What does it cost to the welfare system in a state? You got people that are currently citizens of this country that are poor that need the support and assistance of their state agencies that are being strained and taxed over and over by illegal immigrants coming in and taking those resources instead. I mean, you know, we, we, we'd love to have open borders and help everybody be an American, but make no mistake, I don't think these people are coming in to be Americans. I think they're coming in to set up shop with their own countries. That's what I think they're looking to do. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no kind of assimilation program in place. They're, they're not trying to help anybody. I mean, you've got you've got the broken border. You've got the crime waves going on in this country. And then you've got these wars going on. And again, I, I just think that, again, the policies of the Democrats. So they want the high energy costs. They want the open borders. And then of course, they want war. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting. I mean, they used to be the party of the peaceniks. I can remember, but... You see, I understand because, again, I'm objective and I can see this. And what's happening right now in the Ukraine is insane. There, there is no good going to come out of that. Ukraine's already been beat. They don't have any soldiers left to fight with. Okay, and, and this is what I understand. I mean, I can see this. Of course, this is not in the news every day, but we know that the Ukrainians, uh, the population of Ukraine was about 60 million in 1990. Today, the population is around about 10 million. There's more people in Pennsylvania than there is in the Ukraine. Now, that, my friends, is something to be concerned about. Oh, wait, because how are they going to win a war? You know, how are cluster bombs going to help that? And then, of course, how is high, how is the high, the, the high, the hard, the high market value of, of, of fossil fuels that Russia is benefiting from? How is that going to hurt them? <laughs> how is more money from their, exports of gas and oil gonna gonna hurt them it, more money going to hurt them it's like an oxymoron how is that going to happen oh just not 
what old Biden basically did was set up a foreign policy program that funded the Russian war. It helped the Russians fund the war. Don't miss this. Any fifth grader can see it. Okay? The, the Ukraine policy in the, right now is insane. He talks about the, the punishing sanctions. Like, you're going to be kidding me. I mean, you could talk about, I mean, you could talk about that. Whatever sanctions he wants to talk about. The reality is, okay, by, by, um, by his driving up the value, the, 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 the commodity price on the market for oil and gas to the point where, you know, they're, they're making a lot of money. Their exports are there. You know, now I don't know who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, but uh, somebody got in there and blew it up. But the bottom line is, didn't he see this coming? Didn't they see Who didn't see this coming? It's funny. The two-week, the two-week, what was supposed to be a two-week war is now what is 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 now going into a second year, and this is where I'm like I'm I'm, I'm really amazed at this. So we got to understand the Ukraine right now is in dire straits, and of course the Middle East is, and I think Turkey has already declared war, threatened to declare war on Israel. This what Biden was able to do when he strengthened Iran, and which strengthened Hamas and Hezbollah when he did that. Okay, he created an avenue for them to attack Israel. <clears throat> you didn't see that coming. I, are you serious? They didn't see that coming. They should have seen this coming three years ago. No, 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 don't help Iran here because right now Hezbollah and Hamas are trying to attack Israel. We can, we don't want to promote. We want to keep them weak as long as we can so they cannot attack. <clears throat> okay, what happens <clears throat> when you create a monster with fangs and claws? You could expect that monster to to come after you. These people are not, they're not interested in a civilization of peace and prosperity. They're not. They're interested in death and destruction. That's all they want. And <clears throat> oh, Biden basically has enabled this to take place. He's actually made it possible for them to sustain themselves in a war. And now Turkey, because he's, he is now a united, which is an amazing feat, the phenomenon that Biden has actually achieved was uniting the Sunni and the Shia Muslims. Now, what's interesting is the Shia and the, and the Sunni don't like each other. There's, there's direct, there's di they're directly opposed to each other. Okay, well, all of a sudden now they're united. Now, again, you know, you look back on this, but you can see this: the these united the the Muslims in the region, the Sunnis and the Shia. The Turks are Sunni, and they are united now with the Shia. Um, I believe the Turks right now would like nothing more than to go into Israel and, and, and push them into the sea. Okay, the Turks right now are they're giving us the cold shoulder because we got our carrier base, we got our carriers over there, and I think right now they realize they're in big, they're in a bad way. I mean, Lincoln, Blinken, and Nod went to Turkey. I guess he got off the airport in Istanbul a few days ago, and and nobody was there to greet him. Okay, I mean Erdogan wasn't there, nor did he send somebody to meet him. It was some third level staffer went over to get him at the airport. I mean, literally, there was no fanfare of the Secretary of State of the United States coming to Istanbul. They don't want to talk to these guys. They don't want to talk to them. I mean, there's so there's so much lack of respect right now for the American leadership and foreign policy that the Turks don't even want to talk to Lincoln, Blinken, and not. I mean, you got, and, the, and what's interesting too is that, I mean, he's going around wearing a, wearing a flap jacket, one of those you know, bulletproof vests. He's going around wearing that thing. I mean, honestly, I mean, these guys understand that now they're now they're calling on Israel to have a ceasefire. The bottom line is they're scared to death because they're 
they're reactionary. They're not thinking smartly. They, they're realizing right now that they're in a bad way. And the Turks, I'll tell you, if they antagonize the Turks and the Turks go into Israel, it's going to force us to defend Israel or do nothing, obviously, and let them steamroll Israel all the way. I don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you right now, though, that they're, they don't want to go after Turkey. And I think that there's a lot of concern right now because, obviously, people are watching what's happening. But the Turks have already said, we're going to declare war on Israel. Erdogan was at Istanbul over there at one of the airports. I guess he was at the airport. He was over there and he literally, and it was, uh, he was, you know, he was speaking to, to thousands of supporters calling on, you know, calling on stopping Israel, declaring war on Israel. So on forward policy, these people are, are losing it. So the D's are, 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 and again, the Democrats today, the difference between Americans, America first economy and America first economy and a global first economy or America last economy is like night and day. And the media should be bringing that contrast and that perspective to the American public. You know, you think about this too with the abortionists. It was really interesting. The media, whenever you talk, the media talks about abortion, whenever these people get into the abortion question, it's always about, you know, the, the healthcare women, okay, and how they need to have the healthcare for an abortion. They don't, they don't talk about how of the whatever hundreds of thousands of abortions that happen a year, they don't talk about the percentage of those abortions that are actually for the health and and health and well the welfare of the mother. They they don't. I mean, how many? What percentage of those abortions are actually for the protection of the mother? What percentage of those abortions that take place are for any other reason? Like I don't need the baby right now. I don't want the baby right now, or whatever. There they are. The perspective and the and the actual numbers, the actual math, when Americans understand, when they listen to the Democrats say, well, we want to protect health care for women, we want to preserve their option for abortion, and for, for the which in the have best best interest of the health and uh, of the the health of the mother, the life of the mother, but they don't talk about how many abortions are actually done for that purpose. Because I can tell you, folks, out of every 10,000 abortions, there may be two that are done to protect the health of the mother. The other 9,998 are done for any other reason other than the health and life of the mother. And when you understand that, and you can take a look at that, say 10,000, okay, well, what is that? 700,000, so 70 times that. Well, do 70 times that. So you might have a few hundred abortions across this country, maybe, maybe a couple of thousand that are actually to protect the life and health of the mother, a few hundred, maybe, maybe a thousand or two. The vast majority of the hundreds of thousands of abortions are for any other reason or any reason other than the life and health of the mother. When we as Americans understand that perspective, it's because it's being presented to us by people like myself. And you can actually get the numbers and understand it. Of course, you know the 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 you know the 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 the, the abortion selection process in the abortion clinics is is anything but candid and of course recorded, but we all know by the people that we know who've had abortions that their their reason for having an abortion was not to protect the life and health of the mother, and folks we know this from from looking at their medical records we can see that you know we we can see from 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 the evidence of it all so. I mean, I, I can re I can tell you that they talk about rape and incest being one reason for having allowing abortions. And you look at what is what is the percentage of pregnancies because of rape and incest? You got to be kidding me! It's like one out of a hundred thousand. I mean, it's it's not even 
it's not even mentionable. I mean, if you look at the then the percentage of, of pregnancies that occur because of rape or incest, there's not very many. Okay, and then of course the life and health of the mother adds to that. So when you look at the the thousands of abortions, maybe the, you know two, three thousand across this country that are for the life and health of the mother and or rape or incest, that then you're going to keep you're going to allow these people and promote this to people uh, to to abort their babies for any other reason. See, the sensible person says outlaw abortion, outlaw abortion, outlaw the killing of babies. And uh, and of course, you can take up the issues of the life and health. You can take that up on an individual basis based upon the, the actual situation at hand. And I think when you understand that, you realize that, that that's not the real argument. That's just what they created to create fear and angst in the, in the women all, all over the country. But women today... And, you know, when you look at these angry women today that had abortions, many of them, just, they just hate people. They just hate people. But, you know, it's, it's just to understand, folks, that when you look at the difference between men, I should say Democrats and Republicans, you understand, you know, that most Americans want restrictions on abortions. They want to restrict after the first trimester. Most Americans want that. Most, I mean, most, I'm going to say 85, 90%. I would say 95 or 100 percent of Americans want lower gas prices and no inflation. I would say 95 to 100 percent of Americans want, you know, low crime rates. Okay, 95 to 100 percent of Americans want want the welfare to be given to American citizens before they're given to illegal immigrants. 95 to 100 percent of Americans want what's best for this country. So when the news media is out there promoting these things. And, under, and promoting this perspective and showing this to the American people and voters every day, what happens is that changes perspectives. But again, I think people are just blind to the truth and it's, it's a sad day. But listen, folks, we have to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today and taking the time to be with us today and understanding, folks, that we truly appreciate the last five years that you've made Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL at your place. True. Thank you for being with us. Tune in later today for our show to watch. We got a great show lined up. Folks, see you next week on The Point. I'm Quay Brees. Goodbye for now.